Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Are you ready for His Word today? All right. I got heaps of scripture to share today. I love the stories. I love His Word, and I love the stories that God puts in there, and I believe every single person has a history and a story and a reason behind why they're there. They're not just one quick story. They're, they're a whole person. They've got a life. They've got family. They've got kids. And there's so much more to it. So when we approach his word today, know that they're not just one little quick word that you hear of this person's name that just comes and goes. No, there's a whole history there. They lived a life. There's so much depth in his word, and you'll get out of it what you want. Like how hungry you are is what you will receive. So I'm going to read from Hebrews 11. Yes, Hebrews 11, the whole thing. Come on. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made from what was visible. By faith, Abel offered, a good, uh, offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commanded as a righteous man. When God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commanded as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this, one man, and he is good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashores. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on this earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he was prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received this promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. 
even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regards to their faith. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of Israel from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months and after he was born, because they saw how he was not an ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead for his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell, and after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Bark, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers, floggings, while still others were changed and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, prostituted, and misunderstood. The world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and the mountains, and in the caves and in the holes in the ground. They were all commanded for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, So that only together with us would they be made perfect. Today I'm going to talk on the heroes of the faith. How do we become a hero of the faith? How do we end up being a hero of the faith? We just read... All the heroes of the Old Testament, everything that they did and stood for, they're our heroes. But how do we end our life being a hero of the faith? I want to look at five things today that I think we need to be able to get to the end of our life and be a hero of the faith. Because see, what I love about all of those people in Hebrews 11 is that none of them were perfect. None of them had it all together. We just hear a glimpse of the great things they did. We're not hearing their whole entire story. 
Some of them had ups and some of them had downs. Some of them had times where they actually lost faith and there was times where they did things wrong and they sinned and they all had an entire story behind them. And I want to look at, but how did they end up being the heroes of the faith at the end of the day? How do I end up being a hero of faith at the end of the day? And one of the most important things is each and every one of them is that God sought them out first. Every single one of them, God sought them out first. Don't feel like you're on this, in this on your own. Like God is calling you. God has a destiny for you. He has sought you out. He's calling you for this time right here, right now. Each and every one of them, God sought them out. They didn't start out on the path on their own. God called them and he was there. So it's really important that we remember God is on our side, that he is calling you, he is with you, he is right there with you. So the first thing I want to look at in how do we become a hero in the faith is David. It's in 1 Samuel 16 and 17, the whole story of David. Because you know what's really important is captured in the story of David. So we find that Saul has become a bad king. God doesn't trust him anymore. God isn't on his side. And God says to Samuel, the prophet, I need you to go and anoint a new king. I need you to go and anoint a new king. And he goes, no, he's afraid and he doesn't want to because he's worried what Saul will do when he hears. But he goes, go to the house of Jesse and anoint one of his sons. So we pick up the story when Samuel's on his way to anoint one of Jesse's sons. Yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he, he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his outward appearance or his height, for I, I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If you want to be a hero of the faith, your heart matters. The Lord looks at your heart. He's not looking at the outward appearance. He's not looking at how strong you are, how much together you have it, how long you've been a Christian, how much of the word you know. He's not looking at any of the outward appearance where we see Samuel, who's a prophet. He's not even the king. He's not even from the world. He's actually a prophet of God, actually chooses the wrong person because he sees the outward appearance and goes, man, that must be the next king. But God goes, no, see, I'm not looking at that stuff. I'm looking at the heart. It's the heart that matters. If you don't have your heart in the right place, if you're not protecting your heart, then you can never end up being a hero of the faith. We'll never get to the end if we're not getting our heart right. And what we see is then Jesse brings out every one of his sons. They keep walking past and God keeps going, no, it's not him. No, it's not him. No, it's not him. And then 
Samuel comes to Jesse and goes, you must have another son. You must have someone else. And Jesse goes, yes, I have the youngest son who is out tending the sheep. Then Samuel says to him, well, then you must go and get him. No one is allowed to sit down until he gets here. So they're all standing there waiting. And then we see David comes in. So Samuel took, oh, there we go. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ready, rad, I don't know what this word is, Rudy, ruddy, ruddy, thank you, Heidi. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. And then Samuel stands up and tips the oil over David. So David's standing there and he's covered in oil. It's not like what we think a little anointing of oil. He is literally tipping a bucket of oil over David from head to toe, covered, drenched in oil. And he says, you will be the next king in front of everyone standing there, all his brothers, everyone. So then David's standing there, anointed by the prophet, by God, as the next king of Israel. And then we find as the story continues, he goes back and tends the sheep. And then we see that Saul gets upset and he has this spirit attacking him and they go, they want someone to play the harp for him, to, to calm him down. And they go, you know, there's this young man that can play the harp and his name's David. So David ends up coming to Saul and playing the harp for the king to soothe his soul, to make him feel comfortable to minister to unto the king. But don't you remember, David's anointed the next king by God. But yet here he is serving the current king, playing him music. So what I said at the beginning, we've got to remember these are real people. How would you feel? You've just been anointed the next king. You've just been anointed the next CEO of your job. You've just been told that you're the next leader, the next captain, whatever it is in your atmosphere. You've been told that you should be the leader of this and everyone's agreed on it, but yet you're not and then you're there serving. You're there playing music for the person that shouldn't be there. And you're playing it so well and so great that he says, I'm going to employ you permanently. You're not going back to your dad. I want you to stay and be my armor bearer. So when I go to war, you bear my armor. You carry my weight. It's about the heart. Because what did God see in David that he didn't see in the others? The heart. The heart to stand there and serve the very king that he's meant to be. The heart to just serve and be faithful with what God given him. Then we pick up the story again, and it just keeps saying time and time again that he would continuously go home and, and fend for the sheep, continuously taking care of the sheep. Then we find the story of David and Goliath. There's this great war, and there's this Goliath, which is this big giant of a man, stands forward and says, of all of the Israel army, I will let you go. We will call this, this fight off if you just send one champion out to fight me. If you beat me, then Israel wins. If I beat you, then we win. And the whole army is so afraid of him, so scared of this man, that they just keep fearing and not doing anything about it. 
Then we find that David is still out with the sheep. Now, David was the son of Ephrath named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and Saul's time, in Saul's time, he was an old and well-advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Elab, and the second, Anab, and the third, Shaham. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came out every morning and every evening, taking his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephroth of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to the camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd. He loaded up and set out as Jesse had commanded him. Something really important there. Jesse is the father. And he's saying to David, go to your three brothers. You know the amazing three brothers that are out fighting in the war? The ones that are at the front of the battle? The mighty men that are fighting? See, when you're a son and your dad's proud of the other three, Take them some food and let me know how they're going at the battle. Take some food and just let me know how the other three are doing. See, yet again, David is just belittled. He's put down, put in his place, and the other three are lifted high. So David does as he's asked, and he goes out to the battle. And he hears the Philistine come out and proclaim against God. And he's like, who is this guy going against God? Who is this guy coming out against the army of God? And then David's oldest brother heard him asking. He heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those sheep in the desert? I know you're conceited. You are, you are and how wicked your heart is. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. What's the brother doing here? Where are those sheep you're meant to be taking care of? Because see, the brother remembers the day that David was anointed. He was there. And he's saying to David, I'm the true warrior here. I'm the true king here. I'm the one that's at the battle. Go back to the sheep. You're only here. I know your evil heart. Because the only thing he can attack in David is the very thing that is his strength, and that is his heart. So what does the brother go after? His heart. He goes after the very thing that he can't, he doesn't have. So when someone puts you down or someone attacks you, they're actually attacking you because they're, they're, um, it's your weakness that's making, that your strength is making them feel weak. Like it's intimidating them. Your very strength is intimidating them. So his very strength is intimidating his brother. And then we see David walk out. And he goes to Saul and he says, I will take care of Goliath. And he says, you know why? And David goes, you're just, um, Saul goes, you're just a little kid. You can't do that. And David goes, no. See, what you don't know 
He's, my God is faithful. And this man is going against God. He's not coming against me. He's not coming against you. He's coming against God. And because David had his heart in the right place, he turns around and he says, little does anybody know, but I have fought my bears. I have fought my lions. When one of the bears or one of the lions took one of the sheep, I would run after it, grab the lion, grab it by its jaw, rip the sheep out of its mouth, and then when it turned on me, I would take it down. He's saying, you know what? You don't know the battles that I've had in my secret place. You don't know the battles that I've done in the unseen. And that's what prepares our heart. You know, if we can never fight a David, a Goliath, if we have never fought the, lam- the lambs. Oh my gosh. If you've never fought the sheep. <laughs> hey, some of us need to start with the lambs. Build yourself up. Your heart matters. David could have never faced Goliath if he didn't have his heart in the right place. Because it wasn't about killing Goliath. It wasn't about the battle. It wasn't about him becoming king. It was about his heart. And that's what God saw in him. And at the end of his life, God says, there is a man after my own heart. No matter what David did, you know, David sinned. David killed a man. David committed adultery, but yet his heart was after God because it was in the secret times. It was in the broken periods where he ran to God and said, have grace on me. Take me. Don't kill the child. I was the one that was in the wrong. His heart was for God. So if you want to be a hero of the faith, If you want to kill Goliaths in the public, you need to be doing things in the private. You know what? That's what qualifies you, and that's what disqualifies you. If we put a camera on you, we're nearly there where your whole life is like on on social media 24-7. But would you be proud if we recorded you for a week for us to show it on the screen for everyone to see? Or is there things in your life you would not want people to see? Because if there's things in your life you would not want people to see, then you need to go and do something about it. Because you can never be a hero of the faith if you've got something to hide. Because if David had never fought the bears and the lions, when he went up against Goliath, he would have lost. Just like everyone else. So your heart matters. So get your heart in the right place. Because it's so important. Number two, I love this one, I love this one, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's in Daniel, you know what I love about this, Daniel 3, Because you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't really the strong, faithful ones. Like, actually, go and read the book of Daniel. Daniel's the one that goes to their servant leader, dude, good with my words today, (laughs) and says, we don't want to eat what you're giving us. We want to eat this. He says, I don't want to have a part of that. I'm going to be healthier if I do it this way. And by the way, my three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I want you to include them. And the guy goes, okay, and comes back and says, yeah, all right. So Daniel is the one that brought Shadrach and Meshach along. And then we see again when Daniel has his moment 
before the king and he, and he has to give the prophecy and tell him what it means. Otherwise, every single wise person's going to die. He comes back and he says to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, guys, this is about to happen. We're all going to die unless tonight God reveals to me what this dream means. He goes, go and pray. We're in some trouble if this doesn't come through. And they all go and pray. And in the morning, he comes out and he goes, I got it. And he goes and rescues them all. So we can see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were just along for the journey. Who all needs a Daniel in your life that's willing to fight for you, that's willing to say, you know what? Your faith may not be there yet, but mine is. So come on the journey with me. Come with me. Yeah? Someone that's willing to say, no, don't eat that food. It's not good for you. Don't do that sin. It's not good for you. I know what you did the other day. I caught you lying. Don't do that. It's not good for you. It's not leading you in the right direction. It's not directing you in the right way. We all need a Daniel in our life that's going to pull us along the journey. So the first one is the food. And then they see that they're better off. They see they're stronger. They see that this is good. Man, God's coming through here. Then we see the dream get revealed and they get promoted to the head of Babylon, the three of them, because Daniel's like the number two to the king. And then the three of them are the, the rulers of Babylon. Man, I suck at words today. Let's just embrace it. So then they go, wow, their faith is built again. So they've got the first encounter. Then they've got the second encounter, and their faith is building. Their trust in God is building. And they may have started with Daniel's trust. It was Daniel that trusted God, but, and they built their trust through Daniel. Yeah, And we see that up until now. Their trust is through Daniel. And now we pick up the story where they're going to get thrown into the pit of fire because Nebuchadnezzar's built this massive idol of himself, and he says, every time you hear the trumpets, bow down and worship my idol. Come on. Then they turn around and say, no, we will not do that. And this is the first time we see their trust in God. So the second thing you need to have is trust. You need to trust in God. You need to trust him. Now, it's easy to say it's hard to do. It's easy to say to someone, I trust you. But then truthfully, do you really trust them? It's like when you say to someone, man, I trust you, but can you please not tell anyone what I'm about to tell you? It's like, well, do you trust me or not? Like, why do we need a second clause if you trust me? Yeah? Because if there's true trust, we don't need a second clause. It's like when, when, when he says, don't swear on anything. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because if, you, if you're a trustful person, then your yes is yes and your no is no. So we have to trust God. And that's why I love this story. He, he gets angry at them, Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, if you don't bow down, then I'm going to throw you in the furnace. I'm going to make it hotter, and it's going to be bad. And Shadrach, Meshigo, Mish, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we, were, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. It's not about the rescue. See, it's not about the end result. It's not about the miracle. It's not about the great deed. It's not about the great faith. It's about the fact that whether God shows up or whether he does not, we know that he could. 
That's ultimate trust. Because if we say, yeah, I trust you, God, if it works. No, no, no. I trust you, God, either way. Because whatever the outcome, I've trusted you. I trust that you will show up and do something. And I trust that if you don't, then that's what you predestined and it's all good. It's like we talk about the heart for the house and you're trusting, you're sowing something. And it's like, I'll only sow this if there is a return. If you're only sowing it to get a return, then don't sow it. I'd rather you not give if you don't have trust that God has something greater. Whether it's going to return to you in money, or it's going to return to you in faith, or it's going to return to you in life, or it's just going to return to you in heaven. What does it matter? I trust Him. I trust Him with my life. I trust Him with my time. I trust Him with my gifts. It doesn't matter whether you like me or not, whether you think I'm eloquent or not, whether I know my words or not, whether I can read or not. doesn't matter. I trust Him and I preach for Him. I don't preach for you. I preach for Him. I have an audience of one and that's all that matters. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You are faithful. That's what matters. So trust Him. If He's telling you to do it, then do it. If He's telling you not, then don't. We have to trust him. And then my my big thing is, would your trust survive the fire? Because, you know, that's when, like we say, that's when when things go bad is when friendships are tested. It's like when you go through the bad season, then you know who your true friends are. Well, when you go through the bad seasons, how's your trust with God? When that that thing, that ultimate thing that, that could possibly go wrong went wrong, how's your trust with God? Because through the fire will determine the level of trust you have and will build your trust when you come out the other end. Moving on. So first of all, get your heart right. And if you've got your heart right, then start trusting. Start trusting. Build your trust. Number three is in Matthew 14, 25 to 32. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you and I will come on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down of the boat, walked on the water and came to Jesus. Your focus is important. What are you focused on? If you want to be a hero of the faith, are you focused on the right thing? Because there's three things here that Peter could have been focused on. He could have been focused on himself. It's about me. It's about me being able to say, boys, I was the only one to walk on water. Me and Jesus, come on. Is it about you? Is your focus about you? Is your call about you? Is your work about you? Is everything you do about you? Are you giving because it's about you? Is it about you? Is your focus on you? Because then you won't end well. The second one, is your focus on the miracle? Miracle. Is your focus on walking on water? 
going to walk on water. I'm going to see that person healed. I'm going to see that massive breakthrough. I'm going to see thousands saved. I'm going to see, I'm going to see. Is your focus on the actual faith, on the the deed? Because see, when Paul, Peter, when Peter got focused on the water, he started to sink. Because if all we're focused on is the fact that I just want to be able to say, I am the one that walked on water. Like we walk on water or we, we raise the dead or whatever it is. If your focus is on that, then you won't be a hero of the faith. And the third choice is Jesus. See, if my focus is on Jesus and Jesus alone, if my whole focus is on him, then I will see the miracle. Then I will walk on water. I will see the healing. I will see the salvation. I will see the breakthrough because my focus is on him and him alone. As long as my eyes are on him. See, Peter was saying, I'm here, you're there. I want to be there. If Jesus is here, I'm going to be here. If he was over there, I'm going to be over there. Because if our focus is on him, then the water part in between will happen. Because whatever is between you and him, that's for him to deal with. All we've got to worry about is getting to him. If all I want is to get to him, he will get me from A to B, no matter what is in between. So our focus has to be on him and him alone. And that's what we see with the heroes of the faith. Their focuses were on God, not on themselves, not on the deed, but on God. So keep your eyes on the prize. Man, time flies. Number four. Is in Matthew. The Garden of Gethsemane. Where Jesus sweat blood. He comes to the garden and he says to his disciples, pray with me. I'm in anguish, pray with me. You know, this is the only time, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. This is the only time where Jesus prayed three times for something. Every other time Jesus prayed and it happened. Every other time Jesus just prayed and it happened. This is the only time I see where he prays three times for the same thing. That's how much anguish, how much he was dealing with right here. Lord, if there is a way, can you take this cup? Is there a way that there is a possibility that this could go another way? Please, Lord, if there is a way for somehow this cup to be dealt with a different way, please. But not what I will, but what you will be done. We have to lay down our will. It has to be his will. It has to be his will. No matter how hard it is, no matter how much we don't understand, Jesus prayed three times. We may not understand We may not get it, but yet your will be done. So get your heart right. Start trusting him. Put your focus on him and him alone and make sure you're following his will, not yours, no matter how hard it is. And then number five, the most important one of them all. 
in John 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Calipas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. If you want to be a hero of the faith, be faithful. Just be there at the end. One disciple at the cross. One disciple at the cross. If you want to be a hero of the faith, just show up. Just be faithful. Be there at the end. Mother, this is your son. Son, this is your mother. Talk about great faith. Hero of the faith. That disciple, Jesus entrusted his mother to that disciple because he was there. If we want to be heroes of the faith, Peter walked on water. But he wasn't there. What you did yesterday doesn't matter today. What you do today matters today. What I did yesterday doesn't qualify me today. Today qualifies me. What I read yesterday doesn't satisfy me today. What I prayed yesterday doesn't satisfy me today. Every day, take up your cross and follow Him. Let's be faithful to the end. So that one day, we can stand before Him when He says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's get our hearts right. If you know your heart isn't right, if you know there's some things that need to be dealt with in that unseen world, or you need to work on your trust, you know I got hurt and I don't trust like I used to. Or is your focus losing its way? Have we focused on something we shouldn't be? Do I need to adjust my will? Have I given up on His will and started following my own? Or have I stopped showing up? Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to sing a song. And if any of that spoke to you today, there's a prayer team down the front. Come down. Because I want to see this to the end. I want to be faithful. I want all that God has for me. So if that spoke to you in any way, come down and we'll pray with you. God bless. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. 
For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.